Welcome to the Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. Well, welcome to Keys of the Kingdom. I'm Brother Gregory, and again, we're going to be talking about the Kingdom of God, and uh, that uh, is going to cover a wide area. Uh, we listened in the news just before the show started, and we see that uh, uh, that uh, there's been uh, uh, attempts to make a... Uh, new laws concerning gun control to make the world, you know, practical what they call practical uh, solutions to gun violence. And, of course, we know anybody who actually studies the the concept of gun violence in America knows that uh, the, you, even any place that you have a gun control effort, such as Chicago or any of these other major metropolitan areas, you have a rise in gun violence. And any place that you have almost no gun control, except in the hands of the individual, you have a decrease in gun violence. Because the less legal guns you have in the hands of the people, the more the people who don't care about the law, don't care about their neighbor, get to use their guns to perpetrate violence upon people. Plus, in countries where they had a decrease in guns uh, because of autocratic gun control policies where they, you know, confiscated guns and bought back guns, etc., and made it very difficult to own guns. You had an increase in uh, invasions and burglaries and crime. And uh, it almost seems like anybody who is trying to reduce the amount of legal guns in or legal gun owners in 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 a country are actually trying to create chaos. And that, I actually believe, is what some people are trying to do. Other people are just duped because they don't understand what really drives society. They don't really understand what drives society because they sit in darkness. And they sit in darkness because mostly vanity, but uh, that vanity comes about in many different forms, such as... uh, coveting their neighbor's goods. Anytime you do something horrendous, naturally horrendous, cause death to somebody, causes injury to somebody, uh, you know, creates trauma in somebody else's life unfairly, and don't admit it. Don't face up to what you did. Don't want to see what you did and tuck it away in a part of your mind that uh, you will not look at it. You choose to sit in darkness concerning that particular event. It begins to darken parts of your mind, parts of your soul. You singe your conscience. You sear your conscience. And uh, you move in the direction of becoming a sociopath. Now, a few sociopaths can wreak havoc in the world. They can go about and injure people and and shoot people uh, indiscriminately and think that they're justified in doing so. They could actually exterminate large portions of the population on purpose, put them in prisons. They can do all this thing, and it doesn't bother their conscience. 
because they sit in darkness, because their conscience have been seared, because they chose not to look at traumas in their own life, judgment in their own life, cruelty in their own life. And uh, the, the, the it's just part of humanity and the mental process of mankind. And we've been doing it for a long time. And the Bible actually tells you a way to avoid that, which is, you know, to confess what you've done wrong, at least to yourself. And then if you've done it wrong to other people, you might confess it to them. And, of course, you know, we've seen examples of how, you know, they were amazed at the success of AA meetings at one time, that people who could not get off of alcohol and then later couldn't get off of drugs, that go to these meetings and they have a success, but they don't always know why they have that success. But one of the things they do is confess, hi, I'm Steve, I'm an alcoholic. <laughs> that, even though it's just verbalizing it in front of other people, that admission that you did something wrong has a positive effect on overcoming that thing that you've done wrong and overcoming the consequences of that, which is often leads to addiction. It also leads to uh, separating yourself from uh, relationships with other people. And, you know, we've talked about the experiments they've had before with, uh, you know, rats and mice uh, where they can become addicted to a drug and they will actually choose not to be addicted to the drug if they have a good environment in for mice environments as those go in which to live you know what they call rat park where they uh, they have uh, space and they have interaction with other uh, rats and they have a social life, whatever social life rats have, they're less likely to become addicted. And now the human population, the hu- humanity itself is a more complex creature than a rat, but uh, they, they need a social structure and that social structure allows them to ward off the temptation of addictions. And just as the part of that social structure is is confession and admission that uh, you you've done something wrong, facing your your trauma, facing danger, facing the darkness of your own heart, alleviates those things in your in your psychological, your mind, your soul that draw you into darkness, and so. Anyway, how does that all translate out into day-to-day life? Well, you know, we see it. People like George Floyd, who killed himself with drugs. He just, he took overdose of drugs. You can see the drug in his mouth. I had a conversation with several people this week about the fact that, you know, some people thought, like, how do you know that he had, you know, that he had taken this fentanyl and all this stuff? Well, the, the autopsy report showed, the toxicology report, which, you know, they just tested the blood, and this is what they found, is that he had uh, more than three times the amount of fentanyl in his body at the time of his death than could normally cause death. That uh, normally people die at, uh, they can die with a, you know, a 2 NG quantity in their blood. He had 11 NG. The mean death uh, amount for people is 9. 
So he had more than most people who die of it. He had several times more than some people who die of overdose of uh, this fentanyl. And he had other drugs in his body besides, and he had a bad heart. And so he he literally killed himself by putting those drugs in his mouth and then swallowing them after he had a confrontation with the police. Rather, They were asking him, are you high on something? Have you taken something? And instead of admitting it, he swallowed the fentanyl. He didn't didn't want to fess up. This is this he has done this before when arrested. And uh, he just did not want to face it. He says, I'm not that kind of guy. I'm not that kind of guy. He is that kind of guy. And he's in denial. And he literally killed himself. There was no bruising in his neck, according to the autopsy. There was no mucus in the throat. There was no sign of strangulation. There was no sign of compression. There was no sign of injury to the bones or to the muscle tissue. But there was sign of an overdose of fentanyl, which he put in his mouth on his own. That should have been reported in every paper. That is facts. It was available. I looked it up the almost the day after uh, he died. As soon as the videos were coming out, they had videos of him resisting arrest. But nobody wanted to look at it. And there was actually an effort by the media to spin a narrative that somehow or other these police have caused his death. And I've seen, just read an article the other day, Washington Post, where the author is actually calling for the death of the police who were simply answering a call of somebody passing counterfeit money and acting irrational, somebody who was completely drugged out of his mind and in a car, disoriented, clearly disoriented, and wanted to drive his car away, well, that would endanger the public. The police officers were doing their job. They did not injure him. They were following police protocols. That's come out now testifying. Yet now we have people threatening mass riots, uh, supposedly responsible journalists calling for the death of the police, and it's insane. And I think we're just looking at the tip of an iceberg of problems that are coming on. We've gone through this, you know, 15 days to slow the curve. Worldwide shutdowns is going to cause the death of millions of people, the starvation of millions of people. You know, economic destruction already. I know people, I don't know anybody personally who died of COVID, but I know people who committed suicide since this all started. Suicide rates are up three, six hundred percent. So where, where is the solution to all this? The governor of Oregon is, is going to close several prisons and release those prisoners out into the public. We know those uh, prisoners include pedophiles and violent criminals. And they're going to release them out into uh, the population at the same time. They want to disarm all honest people, but they will not disarm the criminals. Criminals don't buy their guns. They steal their guns. (laughs) And uh, so, you know, what is going on? It's almost like they want to see violence and chaos in the street. And, of course, that's exactly what many of them do. Many of them are just duped by... 
because they sit in darkness. They cannot see. They cannot see what's going on and what's driving society. And so they just go along with it. Oh, I have to go get the vaccination. I, oh, I have to, uh, uh, you know, coronavirus may kill me. There's, you're more likely probably to get struck by lightning than killed by coronavirus at this stage because almost nobody actually is getting the original, uh, COVID too. Uh, because most people are immune to it, and they were immune to it before it even got here. Most people were probably immune to it before it even got here. They they probably got any kind of a flu, and they thought it was COVID, and they reacted per, with paranoia. So what's really going on? The people are being manipulated. The press is in on it. They don't even know they're in on it in some cases. Sometimes they probably do. People cannot see clearly. They have chosen their priests who wear white coats or maybe black robes or whatever. They they cannot see reality. When you lay it out, the facts, the true science, you lay it out, they cannot see it. Why is that? For the same reason societies have been duped and fooled and led into bondage time and time again. They do something horrendous like the brothers of Joseph. And they don't fess up. They don't tell the truth. They hide from it. Then they cannot see the famine coming. They cannot see what is around the corner in their own history that is already predestined by the choices they made. We are never predestined by God. We are predestined by the choices we make. Not to live by faith, hope, and charity, by love. Then a series of effects will take place in our life and it will cause us to make other choices we'll be predestined to make bad choices uh, predestined to take drugs to hide from other truths because we have chosen that path of hiding from the truth about ourselves is that not what Adam and Eve did Instead of confessing what they had done, they blamed what they did on others. They blamed, Adam blamed it on Eve and God, and Eve blamed it on the serpent, but nobody took responsibility. And because of that, they could not live amongst or under the light of the guardians of the garden. They ran from the light of his fiery sword and uh, they, they hid in darkness. And that's constantly what we're doing. We're either confessing and seeing the truth about ourselves or we're denying it and moving more and more into darkness. And the more and more you move into darkness, the more you can be manipulated in that darkness. So we're going to actually go into our study of Micah. We've talked about that. We've mentioned Micah several times in uh, over the last few weeks. Uh, you've been groomed, but you've only been able to be groomed because you live in that darkness. Because you don't admit the truth about yourself. And that will invite demonic influences into your life that may come from other people who have already done the same and have demonic influences in their life and have developed demonic patterns in their thinking. They want to use you. They want to abuse you. They want to manipulate you. They want to destroy you. 
the these mass shootings are just again the tip of the iceberg of this self-destructive spirit that is permeating throughout society because we have degenerated as a people because one of the major reasons we have degenerated as a society is because we have accepted the idea that it is okay to covet your neighbor's goods through the agency of men who exercise authority one over the other. And we have instituted a system of Corbin that divides the children from their parents and the parents from their children. I'm talking grown children. Men who are grown up, who are in their 40s and 50s and 60s and 70s. And they have parents that need assistance and help, and they won't help them. They do no more ought for their parents. Jesus talks about this, that they Pharisees had chosen to institute a system of Corban that Jesus says made the word of God to none effect and caused the sons and daughters to do no more ought for their parents. Making an excuse that I have given to the temple. I have paid into the temple my Corban, my sacrifice. That's what Corban means, my sacrifice. And therefore, it is the temple's responsibility to take care of my parents. It's not my responsibility. And their parents are not in their mind, in the forefront of their mind. And they'll let their 90-year-old grandmother or mother... Uh, fend for herself uh, because they won't take care of her in the way that they should. They think, well, you know, the government's sending her a check. I don't have to do it. I have to do no more for my parents. And this makes the word of God to none effect in your life. It allows you to sit in darkness and you will screw up other relationships, uh, you know, with... Uh, you know, if you had relationships with friends or with uh, uh, your wife, you will screw that up because you care not as you should care for your parents. And this is this is a pattern that's repeated a million times over, a billion times over in the world today because every country in the world has instituted a system of sacrifice, a system of Corbin that makes the word of God to none effect because they depend upon men who call themselves benefactors but actually exercise authority one over the other. Jesus specifically forbid us to be like that. To be like the governments of other nations who call themselves benefactors but exercise authority one over the other. And we don't see it. It's right there in the text. But we don't see it because we sit in darkness. We have become a part of a system that makes the word of God to none effect. And you show this beyond a shadow of a doubt. You can go to preparingyou.com and look up our page on Corbin. Uh, I'm actually on that page right now. And it tells you right there in that page that these covetous practices, you know, Second Peter 2.14, having eyes full of adultery, Remember, most adultery in the Bible is national adultery. 
and that cannot cease from sin. What is the sin? Beguiling unstable minds as and heart they have exercised with covetous practices curse children. And in, in Second Peter uh, chapter two verse three, and through covetousness shall they with feigned words make merchandise of you, make you human resources. Make it bring you back, entangling you again in the yoke of bondage. And we explain all this at preparing you and at his, hisholychurch.org exactly how they do it. We have four books, five books up on the internet that go through this step by step. You can just download the books for free. We have audios that go with most of the chapters in those books that you can just listen to for free. And explains how you became a human resource of the federal government or whatever government, whatever country you are. It's exactly the way they became human resources, slaves in the bondage of Egypt. They became merchandise belonging to the Pharaoh. And you have done the same thing. And you have done so because... You lack knowledge. And you lack knowledge because you sit in darkness. And you sit in darkness because you don't want to see the truth. You want to imagine that you see the truth. You want to imagine that you believe in the truth. Of course, this is all vanity because you're avoiding the pain of the fact that you really are a sinner and you are not saved because you do not really believe in the real Jesus. Because if you believed in the real Jesus... You would keep his commandments. And certainly, you would not be coveting your neighbor's goods through the exercising authority of men who do just that. Force the contributions of the people. A foolish thing. No kingdom will stand when you do that. It certainly will not stand as a free nation. Paul warned in 1 Corinthians 6, 9, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. The unrighteous. Who are those? You know, deceivers. Uh, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind will inherit the kingdom. You're not going to get it. You're not going to get there. You're not, you're not saved. If you're doing these things, it's not because you're saved by works. Because you're not saved by works. I absolutely agree that you're not saved by works. You're saved by grace. But what you're doing tells you, tells us also, that if you're a real believer or not. Because if you're a real believer, you're not going to do these things. You're not going to follow those paths. If you're not a real believer... You will delude yourself into thinking that you don't have to follow Jesus. You just have to say you follow Jesus and you're automatically saved. Not the way it works. But anyway, when we come back, we'll look at Micah and we'll show you that this message has been the same from the beginning. We'll be right back. So welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. Somebody stopped by the studio just uh, during the break and was pointing out that the media is now saying that uh, 
No, drugs did not kill George Floyd. <laughs> they they may have contributed to it, but it's definitely the part of the police. This kind of rhetoric, just the same as that Washington Post uh, article that we mentioned before, and may cover in more detail. I don't know. I've thought about putting going through some of these things on the afternoon show, but. Uh, this is going to contribute to the deaths of many, many people because there's probably going to be riots and that's what they're doing is they're fueling the riots because the media has become the author of hate speeches, which is why they accuse so many people of hate speech is because that's what an accuser does. He accuses you of what he is doing and... uh you know, I've actually seen that they've altered. I have the original copies of the autopsies, and they have been trying to push them and alter them in another direction. I have the original toxicology reports, and there's been tampering. You used to be able to go right to the uh, Hinnom County website and download all these things, and now you can't do that. <laughs> you get them by permission only, and you have to pay big bucks to get them. But I, I know where they are online now, and we put those uh, uh, links uh, on the, I added those to the to the webpage. We're constantly updating our web pages. We don't have any big staff. I'm the staff, uh, but uh, I put in the links so people can actually go read them themselves. But they won't. Most people will be too lazy to do that. Most people will just, uh, you know, uh, go along with whatever the news is telling them. I actually have neighbors who are going to run down and get the shots. And uh, you can't tell them, you can show them the science, you know, the head of Pfizer, you can show them what's in the Johnson & Johnson, you can show them the reports from top scientists in the United States, top scientists in the world that says, don't get these shots, they have grave concerns about them, they're dangerous, that they will cause hypertension, they will cause... That you, and you can actually pass some of these things on to other people. Uh, I suspect that there will be large amounts of people dying next flu season, and uh, they will say that it's a new strain of flu and it's actually ADE or uh, pathogenic priming caused by what's contained in all these shots, both the mRNA and the uh, Shots like uh, Johnson & Johnson, which is not an mRNA, but it does contain the S1 protein. But anyway, I promised to talk to you about mica. So if you go to Preparing You, you can follow along. I actually just am in the process of changing one of the pages because I found a typo during the break. Um, constantly upgrading things and so that... Uh, they will get clearer and clearer and will eventually add audios to this study as we have done with uh, some of the other books. We've done Romans and Corinthians and uh, numerous others where we have uh, featured them. And I even still go back and add to the side notes on those pages so that you can see uh, more stuff. I'm constantly linking because we put up new, new articles. I'm constantly linking uh, some of the original articles with new articles that give you greater and greater uh, explanations of what's going on. But this book of Micah the Morashtite, uh, Morashtite, uh, there was a town that kind of belonged to Gad, and it was a possession of Gad, and he was from that area supposedly. The word Micah 
itself has a meaning. And this is something that a lot of people don't realize is to some degree uh, at different times in the history of Israel that people would actually change their name during their life because or what we knew as their name because of what they did and who they were. I mean, Moses was called Moses because he was drawn from the water. And the reason they make that distinction is because there were other Egyptian pharaohs at that time who were called Moses, like Tutin Moses. Now, people will debate that because there seems to be some confusion among Egyptologists as to timeline. And there's huge, you can go and study that for weeks and months and years to find out what's going on there. But there, uh, Moses was called Moses because he was drawn from the water. And other people got names and titles. The same as God has no name, but he's known by many names. And that was very common. And so Micah may not have originally been born Micah. He might have been. But the word Micah means who is like God. And it's actually from uh, numerous or several uh, different uh, words in the Hebrew. And it has different letters. And the reason they also say that he's from Morshite is because of the fact that uh, uh, he may have been owned. He may have been a possession of the Morshite. Uh, because of the fact of this error that we do. The same as we have become merchandise today, the people back then were becoming merchandise, human resources, because of idolatry. So, on the very first page of Micah that we, that I began to talk about this, I, I talk about this book was passed down by the prophets in Judaism, who is, uh, Supposedly the author of this book is Micah. He is considered one of the 12 minor prophets, and we've already gone through some of them. Uh, and supposedly he existed during the reigns of King Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah of Judah. And that may all very well be, uh, although those names have meanings as well. But uh, Micah is this messenger trying to uh, send a message specifically to Jerusalem, but to all of us down through the ages. That's why the book is saved. And this uh, warning of a future destruction. And he mentions with Samaria, also that's a word that has a meaning, and we'll be looking at that, uh, and has to do with this restoration of the Judean state. Now, a lot of people think that Israel over there in the Middle East is the Israel of the Bible. And geographically, it's located where Israel did a lot of stuff, except for Israel was all over the place. The Israelites were the sea kings. They were traveling all over the Mediterranean and far south and far to the east and, and to the north. They were, they got around. But Israel actually means, you know, a place where God prevails. And it's wherever people who have the faith of Abraham goes, that's Israel. But we like to identify objects and locations as if that's Israel or that's, uh, you know, this is the important thing because we uh, 
attach ideas to things. But that's not the nature of the Hebrew language. It's not the nature of God. That God is a spirit that dwelleth in us. And if it doesn't dwell in us, there's a reason why. And so Micah is rebuking the people for their dishonesty and idolatry. And again, like I said in the first part of the show, that most of the adultery and idolatry has to do with national idolatry, where you have made something a thing of worship. This is when you create an idol, like the Constitution could be an idol, that you worship the Constitution. You literally uh, hold it in high esteem and reverence as if it is a source of good. And the reality is most of the people of America opposed the Constitution. They were against it. They were afraid of it. They thought it was a bad thing, and which is why they never put it to a popular vote. That And it really had nothing to do with the people. We the people were the people who signed it at the bottom. And those people who became congressmen and senators and employees of the federal government over the following years. Now, you have become an employee of the federal government. You have a federal employee or, or, or employee identification number. We call it social security number or a national insurance number in different countries. And uh, you would now work for the government. And you know this because they take the first fruits of your labor. Uh, they take sometimes 20% of your labor. I mean, you literally 14% comes right off the top in the form of Social Security. And then the, your wages and salaries are now taxed to some degree or another. And you have to pay the government, the federal government, a portion of your labor. That's what you had to do when you were in the bondage of Egypt. 20% of your labor belonged to the pharaoh. And he collected it one way or another. Either you labored for him or you sent in funds. You know, you could actually, during slavery, you could actually work as a slave somewhere else other than the plantation. As long as you, if you're, you had value as a laborer, you were really smart, you could make money. You could go out as long as a portion of your labor went back to the plants plantation you sent them a check if you didn't if you didn't send back some of those funds you would they would send for you and say well you got to come back and work on the plantation <laughs> so that's actually the the case somebody was just talking to me about that the other day that uh now we have that kind of situation with a lot of people come up from South America and Mexico they come up here and work and then they send money back to their families and who survive on that money they even take a portion of their welfare check and will send it back if they get onto welfare but they're, they're, they when they work for different people that's what they do is that they take their money back and their money goes farther that's going to decrease rather quickly now that we're going to have runaway inflation but then again that is part of that design but back this Micah the Morishai prophesied in the days of Hezekiah king of Judah and spake to all the people of Judah saying thus saith the Lord of hosts Zion which is a parched place, parched place that's what the, the word means uh, it, it can be actually even a monument shall be plowed like a field 
then Jerusalem shall become heaps and the mountains of the house of the high places of a forest. Now that was prophesied in Jeremiah 26:18. And Micah is mentioned, at least a Micah, one or another, is mentioned many times in the Bible, but we're going to be looking at chapter 1 of Micah, which begins with the word of the Lord that came to Micah. It's that Moorish thite. And uh, I'm sure it's pronounced different in the actual original language, but that's the English version of it. Uh, in the days of Jotham and Ahaz and Hezekiah, king of Judah, which he saw concerning Samaria and Jerusalem. Now, actually, I said that Samaria has an actual meaning, and we're going to look at that somewhere in here. I think I have the actual, yeah, I have that down in the footnotes. We'll look at that over there on the side panel. But... Uh, Jerusalem, I can tell you right now, means double peace. Whenever you see the word Jerusalem, it may mean a geographical place, a location, a city, but it's supposed to mean a double peace. And I'm going to repeat these things several times because nobody else will, but double peace means that you are conforming as the, if you're Israel, you're, it's a place where God prevails prevails but he prevails in spirit and in truth and so that means that's what jerusalem means the double peace that you are a place where you do the will of the father in in spirit and in truth and in word and in deed you can also put it in that way This is what we're going back to what I said at the beginning is that people say they believe in Jesus and therefore they are saved. But when you look at what they actually do, you say this is contradicting what Jesus said. So you know that they are not believing in Jesus in word and deed. They say, Lord, Lord, but they do not do the will of the Father and Christ said, Not those who just say, but those who do the will of the Father. And if you don't do the will of the Father, you're not one of those who are saved. So I'm not condemning anybody who's not doing the will of the Father. I'm telling you so that you have, that you have need of repentance and you need to change. You would not be having all these other problems out there in the world. You would not be duped so easily by the media and by politicians and and by your your sources of information way back when you were in school. When I was in school, they were telling me this and they were telling me that. And I would say, that doesn't make sense. And I would ask, I'd raise my hand and ask the question, if you say this, then how can this be? I did this from theology class to economics class because things had to fit. I just did not accept them because somebody said they were so. And uh, so that's led me to where I am. That was something that God put in my heart way back at the beginning. If you're one of those people who ask questions, wonder why things are the way they are, then maybe you're on the same path that I'm on, looking for Jerusalem, that place of double peace where we are not only saying it in words, but we're doing it in deeds. And, of course, James tells us that by your your works, we will know you. We will know ourselves. If you're not doing what Christ said, then you don't really believe in Christ. 
But you can hire ministers who will tell you you do believe in Christ and that you are saved, and then you don't have to think about it. But you will be sitting in darkness. Verse 2, Hear all ye people, hearken, O earth, and all that therein is, and let the Lord God be witness against you, the Lord from his holy temple. For behold, the Lord cometh forth out of his place and will come down and tread upon the high places of the earth. So that's verse 2 and 3. There, there's, I have footnotes there that show there are two different words that are translated into Lord in this text. And one of them is this word uh, Adonai which is uh, Elif Delet Nun Yad. And I have the definitions of those letters so that you can look them up. The Elif has to do with the relationship of man and God. It's a Yad, it's two Yads with a Vav in between. Where God is, is one of the Yads, the divine spark, and the other one is you. And you are hopefully in the proper state connected, this paradox of God and man. The delet is like uh, delta. It uh, supposedly represents selflessness, charity. This The back and forth of charity where you give charity, you receive charity, you receive charity. And it sets, if you receive it in the right way and it's given in the right way, it sets a relationship also. And it's it's the space between the river of life and the sea of the world. Seas represent people. So that's where the delta is. It's this place in between those two. And so anyway, I, you can go into it in greater and greater depth. That every single one of these letters have a meaning. They put them together to create the ideas of the word. And the nun, which is this fish, that's usually representing a fish... But it also has to do with heir to the throne. This is how you you have to swim in the water. Uh, mem is the word for water. But if, whenever you see the mem and the nun, they're actually related letters. Because the fish swim in the water and the water flows. And where do they flow? They flow past the delta, which is where the best fishing is. But anyway, in the last letter there is the yod this infinite point and of course like i said the elf has two yods in it to begin with so if you if you can think in concepts rather than just in words because words become idols they they are symbols of ideas idols are symbols of ideas or spirits they're not the spirit itself but it is a symbol of that spirit. So, anyway, the point is, in this, uh, we see this first, let the Lord God, that, that Lord is not the same, and you can see in the King James, they'll put the word Lord there, uh, but it won't be all in caps, but when you see the word Lord all in caps, then you know it's the other word that they translate into Lord, which is Yahweh or Yadevahe, it's the letters Yadhe Vahe, and it means the existing one. 
I'm going to just say one little thing about that so that it sets into your mind this yade vahe, this existing one. This is, you know, I have an opinion of the truth. You have an opinion of the truth. But God's opinion is the truth. God's spirit, represented by this yade vahe, this existing one, is the truth itself. It's not your truth, my truth. Your truth and my truth may be lies. But God's truth is the truth. It is reality. And so, anyway, I just wanted to point out that those, whenever you're reading in the King James, you'll see this. It's not always that way in other books. As a matter of fact, they translate translate things a lot differently in other books. But uh, he's saying something, and when you just slip in, you know, there's three mentions of the word Lord in these two verses here. When it's not all caps, it's a completely different word. It's not the same letters. It's not the same idea, but we have one English word there. So you can lose a certain of the richness of the original text when you don't look at that. And when we go through Micah, we're going to look at a lot of words where they added extra letters. You wouldn't know that unless you go back to the original Hebrew and look at it. And it, it can be deceptive. But... Ultimately, you don't need to know all the letters. You don't need to know all the meanings. You just need the Holy Spirit working in your life. What cuts out the Holy Spirit is to do contrary to the will of the Father. And Christ came to show you what the will of the Father looks like. And Micah is long before that. But again, what does Micah's name mean? When we see Micah's name in in the text, it's this who is like God. And of course Christ is we we refer to Christ as God and he is like God too. So Micah was trying to show us something about God in the course of his uh Micah and his book. So, verse 4 goes on, And the mountains shall be molten under him, and the valleys shall be cleft. Mountains often represent people. Hills represent people. Sea is also a representative thing of the people, but it's not people who have come together. It's people who are tossed to and fro. Uh, like we see with people in the media today. The media says, oh, we're supposed to hate police. Oh, we're supposed to, you know, that we're racist, that we're this, that we're that. And they're manipulating. You're supposed to be afraid of COVID. That Those are the sea people. Those are the people that are tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine. But the mountains have come together and they've bound themselves together in some sort of way. This is... This is the way that they're representing in these metaphors the people. But he says in here, the valley shall be cleft as wax before the fire and the water that are poured down a steep place. He's again talking about the mountains there are going to be like wax. They're going to melt, molten, and Of course, the hearts of the people will melt away in the fear that is coming. And they will, they think of themselves as a strong and, you know, like America, the freest nation on the earth and all this kind of stuff. But of course, America is not free. They're all back in the bondage and tangled again in the bondage of Egypt. They are not a free people. 
They have often been a comfortable people, but it's going to get real uncomfortable in the days ahead. And Micah is going to tell you why. Way back there, Micah knew why America, because we're doing the same thing over and over again. God is the same. We are the same. And we keep making the same mistakes. Now you get to decide what side of the equation do you want to be on in order to understand that we're going to show you what that equation looks like. Be right back. So welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. So in looking at this book of Micah, which is this similitude of the timeless word of Yahweh, the existing one. Now, Yahweh, the existing one, the the truth, the reality, the real reality, not just our image of reality that we create in our mind, is equated a lot with the word, which in the Hebrew is debar, delitz, beit, resh. And uh, that actually appears in a number of different ways, but that delit, beit, resh is this, is speech, is word, it's speaking, and God is speaking to us all the time through the nature that He created, the God of nature. He's speaking to us in these patterns of our existence and the existence of the world around us. And we're either listening to that or not. I mean, the word debar is translated word about 807 times, but it's also translated thing 231 times, matter 63 times, acts 51 times, <laughs> uh, chronicles, commandments. It's, it's translated lots of different ways. Some of those different translations of the word has to do with other letters that are associated with it in the text, which you don't see when you simply look up the word in a concordance. But uh, the reality is is that God's character, God's way, God's uh, truth is incorporated in all things. And when we act contrary to God's truth, we come in conflict with creation itself. This will have an effect on us and our lives we, and our ability to see things. And since we are social creatures, we live in societies and we become dependent upon people to see certain things clearer than we do. You know, like you can go to a, a medical doctor and, and because you have health issues and you can ask him questions and supposedly he's studied all about medicine and knows all about it and, uh, you know, like, uh, but I just heard just the other day, somebody who's going to go down and get the shot, they're going to go down and get the shot, and we said, but you've already had it. And they say, well, yeah, but the antibodies, according to our doctor, only stay in the body for about six months. Absolutely. And the antibodies that are created by the vaccination, if in their case they're taking the Johnson & Johnson one, they're not going to even last in your body six months. <laughs> <laughs> so, are you going to have to get another shot in three months? Well, actually, you're going to start hearing people say that, that because of the new coronavirus that that, that is, is going to come about, which is actually not a new coronavirus, but it's just your overreaction because of the ADE caused by the present vaccination that you got or the shot that you got, that more people are going to be getting real sick, and you're going to think it's a different disease. It's because you got the shot. 
And I, it's possible that millions will die because they got the shot. They just don't die right away. Some do, but most probably won't. But they already have the media in place to try to tell you that, that oh, you're not getting sick because you got the shot. You're getting sick because of this new flu virus. But we got a new shot for you. <laughs> so, But you won't believe me because you already believe the men in the white coats. And they will tell you. But anyway, uh, whenever you get sick and you produce antibodies those first there's actually several different antibodies you produce the primary ones that come about at the beginning those won't stay in your body they shouldn't stay in your body there's no reason they've gotten rid of it and it's probably gone through all of society by then so yeah your body won't keep producing them they don't need to keep producing them but your t1 cells that know how to produce them again have a memory of them. And the more T1 cells you have in your body, the more robust your immune system will be. The fact that they're not in your body anymore doesn't mean that you're not immune still. It's the T1 cells that make you immune because they're the ones who produce new antibodies. But the doctor doesn't tell them that. They they throw out a fact that the antibodies are going to be gone in six months, and you think, well, I'll get a shot. But those antibodies will be gone even quicker. And they will be less numerous and less accurate. And they may cause pathogenic priming, which will make you more susceptible to the next disease that comes along that is similar. But anyway, we explain all this. Top virologists, epidemiologists in the world explain all this over and over again. Like I say, Yadin, former... Uh, you know, uh, vice president and chief scientific officer in Pfizer tells you, don't get the shot. <laughs> and he's, he invents them. But he says, don't get this one. If you ever hope to have children again, if your children ever hope to have children again, because you can pass these things on to other people. If you get the shot, you become contagious for at least a, some of the time. No, it's it's extremely dangerous. And, of course, I could probably be put in jail eventually for having told you. But I have to tell you because of what they tell you in Micah in the next couple of verses. For the transgression of Jacob is all this. And for the sins of the house of Israel. What is the transgression of Jacob? Is it not Samaria? So how is the transgression of Jacob Samaria? And what are the high places of Judah? Are they not Jerusalem? What is Jerusalem? Jerusalem is that double piece. That's the high place where you're doing the will of the Father in word and deed, in spirit and in truth. That is the high place of Judah. That is the high place of Israel. Is when you do the will of the Father, as Christ said, in spirit and in truth. If you don't do the will of the Father, you're not Jerusalem. You're not, you're not protected by the high place. So what Samaria? What, and what is the sin of Jacob? What was the sin of Jacob? He made a deal with his brother. He made a covenant with his brother that you give me your birthright and I will give you a pot of porridge, supplies, venison, um, 
you know, the, the word we see, mighty hunter before the Lord, that Nimrod is supposed to be this mighty hunter before the Lord. That word hunter there, it can also be victuals or venison or, or food or a pot of porridge. It is, I will give you a benefit if you give me your birthright. That is the sin of Jacob. Do you know anybody else who's committed that sin? Have you given up your right to choose for benefits? Isn't that what part of what is wrong with Corbin? Part of what is wrong why Christ said you are not to be like the governments of the Gentiles who call themselves benefactors but exercise authority one over the other. In other words, they're going to give you benefits, welfare from their government like Pharaoh gave grain to the Israelites. But you have to give them something in return. You sell your birthright. Jacob seduced his brother into selling his birthright to Jacob. This is the sin of Jacob. And then he didn't confess it and admit it openly. He continued the deception. So, have you done that? Have you done the sin of Jacob? Have you waived a right to make decisions about your life? In order to obtain benefits, the greatest destroyers of liberty are those who spread amongst the people gifts, gratuities, and benefits. Plutarch said that in the times of the early church. And he wasn't even a Christian. He knew it. Polybius said things similar 150 years before, or almost 200 years before. He wasn't a Christian. He was from Corinth. He was a Greek from Corinth. So, back to Samaria. What is Samaria? Samaria is... Yeah, it's a place, but that's not what he's telling you about places. It means the watch mountain, the watchman. That's what Samaria means. It it has to do with who is the watchman in your society. Well, to some of you, it's the guys in the white coats. It's the doctors. Some, some of you, it's politicians. Some of you, it's CNN. Some of you, it may be... You know, some sort of Washington Post or something. That's where you look for your information. That is who you look to as your watchmen who are going to tell you what is true. Or maybe it's your minister at church or your priests. Those are your watchmen. They're going to tell you how many ministers and priests were telling people, wear your masks. <laughs> Go get the, uh, what we just talked about that a week ago, how uh, if Franklin Graham is telling people to go out and get the vaccination. Now, I'm not telling you to do that. I'm telling you what's in the vaccination. If you want to go get it, you can certainly go get it because I can't exercise authority over you. But I'm going to tell you what's in it. I'm going to show you what the experts in the science says. And then you get to go make your own decision. Because I won't, I won't tell you what to do. I'll tell you what I would do or what I would not do. And I will tell you why. Because I'm one of those watchmen on the mountain, the mountain of watchmen. And, uh, but you don't, you may not believe that. Uh, and you don't have to believe that. But that's why I take all the time to go and find all these facts and make them all available, but preparing you so that you will see. Why I say what I say. Now, I, of course, say what I say because the Holy Spirit has led me to say it. But I know that may not be enough for you. 
and there's a lot of ministers out there who are saying, you know, that the Holy Spirit is telling them what to do, that they've been anointed by Christ to be a minister of God. I, I beg to differ that many of them are not. They are liars. They are deceivers. They are the many who say Christ is here. Christ is over here. Christ is this minister. Christ is that minister. You're just going to have to find out. But the way to find out is start to admit the, admit the truth about your own life and about your own mind and your own actions so that you let the light in so that you can see the truth. Other people won't see it. They've already decided certain things that it's okay to take from your neighbor by force, institute the rule of force to take from your neighbor so that you can have benefits today. They're not going to see the truth. It's the hardworking people who want to make their own way, make their own living. They may catch a glimpse of the truth and they may be willing to see it. By the nature of creation, the goats shall separate from the sheep. And the sheep shall shall separate from the goats. So anyway, that so now you know a little bit about the sin of Jacob. Have you've have you been willing to take the rights of your neighbor away? You know, take his guns away, his right to own a gun. Yeah, has he sold that right by taking benefits? We know that covetous practices, which is taking benefits from your neighbor. You know, not loving your neighbor, but coveting what your neighbor has. You want to have free education. So you you have instituted a system where you can literally take your neighbor's home away from him within two or three years if he stops funding your local public school. If he just says, I cannot in good conscience fund the local public school because it's teaching people lies about history. It's teaching our children to be socialists. It's teaching our children that communism is good. It's not teaching them real history so they don't even know who Hitler is. I don't want to fund that school anymore, so I'm not going to fund it anymore with my tax dollars. He's going to lose his home in a couple of years because you have instituted the rule of force and violence in order to get the benefits you want. Your parents have created such a system. Your grandparents were a part of creating such a system. Because your ministers were brutish ministers and not watchmen on the wall showing you that this is not a good thing. This is not a good way to go. This is a covetous practice that will make you merchandise and curse your children. Done deal. You've already done that. Now, the mountains shall be molten and the valleys shall be cleft. Just like Micah said. Because of the transgression in your fathers and your grandparents of Jacob. You sold your your God-given rights to obtain benefits. And you are not doing the will of the Father in spirit and truth. You are not in Jerusalem. Therefore, I will make Samaria as a heap of the field and as plantings. Of a vineyard, and I will pour down the stones thereof into the valley. What are the stones? Aren't the the altars? 
were made of stones, and we've talked about this. The altars were actually the stones were the priests of the altars, the ministers of the altar. You gave to them. They rightly divided the bread from house to house to help the needy of society in a way that strengthened them. That was the metaphors. But he, he's going to tear all this down, pour it down, destroy it. Well, God's not really out there making the decision to destroy it. It's built into the system to begin with. If you covet, if you take a bite out of one another to obtain benefits like free education, take care of my parents, I want health care, I want Medicaid, I want all these benefits. If you're willing to take a bite out of your neighbor in order to obtain those benefits, covet your neighbor's goods in order to obtain those benefits, you will be devoured. You will go into bondage. If you wish to put your neighbor in bondage, you will go into bondage because as you judge, so shall ye be judged. Is that not what is written in the law? So, the valleys will be cleft. The, the valley are the low places. You've, you've gone to a low place. Yeah, and now it's even going to get lower. There's going to be a crack open in the bottom <laughs> of the valley. And uh, it it goes to the pit. It goes to destruction. And it's because you've chosen to go away. That is not cast up. It does not take you up. It goes away. Now, many of you, somebody complained that, I, you know, I answered him. I answered him on the uh, European group. Uh, actually, he was writing me off the group. And so I, some of the answers went off the group. But uh, he said my response contained no Bible verses. Well, my response included the article on Corbin. And if you go to our article on Corbin, it is full of Bible verses, but he didn't go to that. He wants me to type them all into my email to him. We've already written this out so you can do the study yourself. You can examine these things. Anytime you think that I'm saying something that's contrary to the Bible, let's find out. Is it contrary? Or is it an exact conformity to what we find in the Bible? And he says, and I will discover... Actually, remove the foundations thereof. That's actually what the word discover there means if you look it up in the, in the Hebrew. Our foundation should be Christ. If we're not doing what Christ said to do, the foundation is removed from us. In the modern church, they're saying it's okay to covet your neighbor's goods. Christ said it's not. It's okay to pray to men who call themselves benefactors but exercise authority to get benefits by taking a bite out of your neighbor. Christ said it's not. Peter said it's not. Paul said it's not. And yet you think you're following Christ. You think you're a Christian. That's in your imagination. And your ministers are built that image in your mind that you're actually following Christ when you're actually doing contrary to what Christ said. Which brings us to verse 7 of Micah. And all the graven images thereof shall be beaten to pieces, and all the hires thereof shall be burned with fire, 
and all the idols thereof will I lay desolate, for she gathered it of the hire of an harlot, and they shall return to the hire of a harlot. So what is that all about? Who's the harlot? Is not a harlot ride the beast? Isn't the daughter of the harlot also harlots who ride the beast? The, what is the beast? It's the, it, beasts were always in prophecy governments that exercised authority. You know, the, the leopards and the lions and that they represented in prophecy governments. What are graven images? Something made by men. Did you know you can have a graven image in your mind? An idea in your mind created by other men? Those ideas, right now, as we're talking about Micah, I'm beating them to pieces. (laughs) I'm showing you that you're not actually following Christ. You've been deceived, even though he said, let no man deceive you, into thinking that it's okay to covet your neighbor's goods and nothing will come of it. What has become of it is you're back in the bondage and tangled again in the bondage of Egypt. You owe far more than 20% of your labor. Your children are cursed by trillions and trillions of dollars worth of debt. They're going to schools that lie to them and teach them falsehoods. You don't have the rights you used to have because you sold them for benefits. You don't get to make choices and now you have people up there signing executive orders that are controlling your life and you think you're going to overthrow them by taking up a gun. You you can't overthrow them by taking up a gun. I, I have nothing against you owning a gun, but I have everything against you thinking that you're going to overturn the unrighteous mammon with violence. You are subject to the unrighteous mammon because you've already committed violence against your neighbor. You forced your neighbor to contribute to what you wanted. Free education, take care, you know, build me a fire department. In the little town I live in, the fire department is still a voluntary fire department. We have a voluntary range fire department that was created by one of my sons and and his friends. It's one of the largest ones in Oregon. But it's voluntary. And, uh, you know, it's, it's not on the tax rolls. Although they do get assistance, uh, through other tax agencies, it's, it's basically people in the local communities pay into it to make it happen. They choose to do that. That's, that's more kingdom tracks than anything you can see around. Now, there's a lot of other ways to go like that. But let's see if we can get through the rest of, uh, this uh, Micah and we'll get one chapter in this show anyway therefore I will wail and howl I will go stripped and naked I will make a wailing like the dragons mourning as the owls for her wound is incurable for it is come unto Judah he is come unto the gate of my people, even to Jerusalem. Now, we're not going to have time to go into the wailing of the dragon and the mourning of the owl, but the owl is a creature of darkness and the dragon is a, 
is another creature. The word is translated a number of different ways, and we can get into the individual letters of of uh, the dragon. Actually, begins with the letter Tav, and it's Tav Nun. Remember, Nun was the fish. Yod uh, is the divine spark with another Nun on the end. Well, Tav is the letter for faith, but we have faith Nun Yod Nun in the making of that word. Now, it's translated a lot of different ways. You know, dragon, whale, sea monster, serpent. But uh, uh, going into depth as to what they are talking about when they're talking about this uh, dragon and the owl. This, But let's just look at it, the wailing of them. That he says, I will make a wailing like the dragon and a mourning like the owl. He will be stripped and naked without authority, without power. That's what naked means, stripped down to the basics. For her her wound is incurable, for it is come unto Judah. He is come unto the gate of the people, even to Jerusalem. Declare ye it not at Gath. Gath meaning the winepress. Weep ye not at all the house of Ephra. That, that word Ephra means the house of dust. Roll thyself in the dust, he goes on to say. Pass ye away, thou inhabitant of Sefer. Sefer is this uh, place of beauty. You won't be a place of beauty anymore. Having thy shame, which is the word for confusion. Naked, bare again, without authority. The inhabitant Zanan, which is the leader of the flock, came not forth in the morning at Bethesel, which is the house of narrowing. Remember, it's a narrow path that we follow. This is just so full of symbolism. He shall receive of you his standing for the inhabitants of Marath, which is this bitterness that is coming, waited carefully for good, but evil came down from the Lord unto the gate of Jerusalem. So contemplate these words. These are full of symbols. They're talking about this destruction that is coming and it's coming because of choices you have made. Now there is a reprieve in Micah. There is a way out in Micah and we'll talk about that later. We'll be right back. So we're still in Micah and uh, I can see a number of things that I need to take a look at in here that I need to fix. But <laughs> we were just having a discussion during the break. I have somebody here in the studio. And and uh, just a quick review going back to the idea of the sin of Jacob. And the sin of Jacob has to do with selling your birthright for benefits. And that's not actually, though, if you said it in that word, that's not the word, that is not the sin of Jacob. The sin of Jacob was offering to buy your birthright of his brother for benefits. It is people like FDR who committed the sin of Jacob. The sin of Esau, which God hates, is the fact that you sell 
your birthright. Because Esau sold his birthright. That is the sin of Esau. And who else sells their birthright for benefits? It's the Nicolaitan. It's the sin of Balaam. Which God hates the deed of the Nicolaitan. Because he sells his birthright to obtain benefits. And so anyway, so that, I'm putting these things into perspective now, and you have to kind of go over them, and I'm rabbit trailing back to Jacob again to see this. That will bring bitterness. The Maroth. That's what, what it will bring. And it also will, uh, Bethesel, narrow your path. And, uh, it will give you less options. Because of the fact you sold your birthright. Uh, therefore shalt thou give presents to Morsheth Goth. The, which that word there, you think it's a place, but it means to seize. I'll give presents to seize, to dispossess the house of Azibah, which is deceit. They're going to, dis- through deceit, they're going to dispossess you of your birthright because they offer you these benefits, which is the sin of Jacob. And he says, shall be a lie to the kings of Israel. Yet will I bring an heir unto thee, O inhabitants of Merishah, which is the crest of the hill, the head place. He shall come unto Adullam, which is means justice of the people, the glory of Israel. Make thee bald and pull thee for thy delicate children. Enlarge thy baldness as the eagle, for they are gone into captivity, captivity from thee. So that's the end of Micah 1, although uh, remember the divisions of chapters, we'll get into this later, uh, is something that was added. There was no chapter divisions in the original text. But remember what that particular paragraph starting back with verse 8 is talking about, stripped, naked, making wailing uh, of the dragon in the morning of the owl. You have to take this position of humility. You have to admit you've, you haven't gone the narrow way. You've gone the way of unrighteousness, of evil. You know, waited carefully for good, but evil came down from the Lord. Because you, you were selling your birthright and offering to buy your birthright and your, the men on the mountain who should have been the watchmen, on the mountain for you have not told you. They have told you the opposite. And they have done it for money. They are the harlots for hire who are going to tickle your ears and make you feel good about the idols, this this idol you've created, these graven images you've created in your mind that somehow or other you saved because you had a thought, because you said magic words. That's witchcraft. You have to really repent. You have to really go the other way. 
and and people have not done that. So over there in the side notes, you know, I, I talked to you already about this word of Yahweh. God spoke. Yahweh, Yadevahe, the existing one, spoke, and life appeared. His spirit upon the waters and life appeared and it's everywhere on this planet. It's nowhere on Mars, nowhere on Venus, nowhere on these other places that we can see. But there's life everywhere on this planet because Yahweh spoke. His word is ingrained in every living thing on the face of this planet in the atmosphere itself. But if it's not ingrained in your heart, and see, you have that choice of letting the Word of God into your heart and start seeing this. But you're not going to see it unless you strip naked uh, the idea that you already know. You don't already know. If you already knew, you would not have become human resources of men who exercise authority one over the other because you went to them for benefits at the expense of your neighbor. You would not be taking a bite out of your neighbor so that you can have free education for your kids from kindergarten to 12th grade. And now they want free education up into college. But it's not an education, it's indoctrination. And your children are all coming out as socialists because they, because from the very beginning, day one, when you send them to school, you said it's okay to covet your neighbor's goods to have free education at their expense. I know people who are public school teachers and they teach their kids at home. They work for the school and try to bring light and to a dark place and try to show the kids the things that they don't teach them in the books. And that's great. But they teach their own children at home. Amazing, isn't it? In the side notes it says, Understanding the manner, means, and meaning in the function of the temples. And I have a link there to our articles on temples. What they were doing in the temples and why one is holy and another is an abomination is key to understanding Micah. Because the what makes it holy is that it operates by faith, hope, and charity. What makes it an abomination is it is operating by force, fear, and fealty. And that fealty makes you subject. That fealty takes away your birthright. The greatest destroyers of that liberty, that birthright of God, is him who spreads amongst them gifts, gratuities, and benefits. Which is why John the Baptist begins that you are to take care of one another through charity. Not through the Corban of the Pharisees and Herod that forced the offerings of the people. Micah asks, what is the transgression of Jacob? Uh, is, is not Samaria and what are the uh, high places of Judah? Are they not Jerusalem? Well, unless you're going to live by faith, hope, and charity, in spirit and truth, you're not going to be in Jerusalem. Even if you fly all the way to the country of Israel and go to a town called Jerusalem, you're not in Jerusalem because you're not living by faith, hope, and charity. Which is what Christ came to tell you. Samaria is the mountain that watches for the people. It's the watchman on the wall, the watchman on the mountain. Your ministers, if they haven't told you what I've just been sharing with you and what we're going to share you as we go through the rest of Micah, 
that, and they take money for what they do share for with you. <laughs> they are the harlots for hire. They are the prophets of the beast. They have delivered you back entangled again in the elements of the world. The world being the constitutional orders and systems of government where you have become human resources. Now, Micah eventually gets into the solution. And I'm hinting around it. I'm touching on it as I go through some of these things, showing you, you know, the the, the true meanings of Sefer, the beauty, uh, beautiful places. The beauty is 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 rapidly leaving. We're we're actually supposed to wear masks on our face so that we can't even see one another. Have that relationship. We're designed to recognize a face, not recognize a mask. This is all part of a plan, and the people who are implementing the plan don't even know what they're up to. They're bringing about their own destruction because the spirit of destruction is upon you. And the cleft is already opened and people are falling into the cleft in the bottom of the valley. The mountains have already melted. You do not have the power to stop what is coming. You need to repent. See that you've done wrong. Confess that you've done wrong. That you've gone the wrong way. And start going back the other way. Who is the highest amongst us according to Christ? It's not the ones who exercise authority. It's the ones who exercise service because Christ is one who came to serve. So what what are the high places of Judah and the high places of Israel? It's those who live by faith, hope, and charity. What is this baldness? Now, that's actually mentioned a number of times. And, and there's all kinds of traditions on this idea of baldness. Uh, and and the word shows up all all over the place. It's a uh, it's a kufresh. Uh, it shows up as kufresh, kufresh elef, uh, kufresh be it. <laughs> uh, the, the idea that is accompanied with this idea of baldness, and uh, it's talking about shaving that baldness. Uh, you know, and I'm looking here at the time how how we can get through all this. There's so much in this first chapter, but it begins to be revisited in the following chapters, and so that you can begin to be re-educated in all those things that your ministers for hire have not told you. They are the harlots and the daughters of the harlots, which is. You know, according to the Confraternity Bible, which I actually noticed was on the floor of my room here the other day. I think somebody took it down to get behind the bookcase. <laughs> but uh, it, it was the Catholic Bible they gave me in the seminary. And in it, it tells you that the city of seven hills is Rome. And that, that it's that, that they're talking about in Revelation is the Roman Catholic Church. Now, I'm not picking on Roman Catholics, and I hope that many of them will repent. But it also talks about the daughters of the harlot as the Protestant churches. Because they've all been a party to delivering you back into the bondage of Egypt. And some of them are actually opening up the cleft that people are going to be falling into and will bring about the plagues. 
because they know not God. They know not the true Christ. They've been preaching a false gospel. And Christ says, many so claim to be coming in my name, but they I know them not. And he's going to tell them, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. So amongst all those Protestant denominations and Catholic rites and and all these other churches, and we include the Buddhists, because I think Buddhists was more in, 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 uh, had more in common with Christ than uh, your modern Buddhists and, and, and many of your modern Christians. The modern Christians are more like the Pharisees. But you're going to have to be willing to uh, uh, rethink, relook at. You're going to need the humility to look at this uh, as to what is the truth. Because we've all gone this way of the unrighteous Corbin of the world. This unrighteous sacrifice of forcing our neighbor to contribute to our welfare. So I ask the question, does the baldness or the cutting of the hair relate to regret and remorse as seen in Jeremiah? And I have a link there to Jeremiah. Both the great and the small shall die in this land. They shall not be buried. Neither shall men lament for them nor cut themselves nor make themselves bald for them. So again, that's because of their, that has to do with this remorse and in this wailing of the dragon and the mourning of the owl. We have to admit we've done something wrong and God will begin to enlighten you as to what you've done wrong. He will bring the light. I'm not bringing the light. I'm just pointing out that you're sitting in darkness and I'm showing you enough evidence that you'll begin to wonder. You know, Job talked about this baldness as well. And uh, with the same similar words, then Job arose and rent his mantle and shaved his head and fell. So, yeah, this... It's going to require humility and the Spirit of God. But if you... Now, how do you draw near the Spirit of God and how does the Spirit of God draw near you? Then you have to begin to become a doer of the Word. You need to start sitting down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands like Christ commanded us to make our people do. And those people need to start to take care of one another through faith, hope, and charity. By sacrifice, casting their bread upon the waters in hopes that it will come back to you. No guarantee. So is the higher just the prostitutes who tickle and give pleasure to the people for profit referred to ministers who work for money and not out of love of righteousness? Now, that doesn't mean you can't pay your ministers. But are they telling you that it's okay to covet your neighbor's goods as long as you do it through government? Or are they telling you you should be living by faith, hope, and charity rather than force fear and fealty? Because by what they say, you should know them. By what they do, you should also know them. I was always amazed when they would catch some minister doing some dastardly, you know, molesting some child or something. They would be making excuses for him. Just as they make excuses for their doctors and their politicians. Because that's their priests. And those priests are are going to bring you 
they have brought you back into bondage, but now they're going to bring you to the bottom of the valley, and the bottom of the valley will open up, and millions upon millions of people will die because of the pathway that you have dis- chosen. So I also quote uh, Jeremiah uh, 5, 7. How shall I pardon thee for this? Thy children have forsaken me and sworn by them that are no gods. When I had fed them to the full, they then committed adultery. See, that's the national adultery. And assembled themselves by troops in the harlot's house. And so that's where people have done. They have assembled themselves in the harlot's house. And they they depend for their livelihood on the property of others because of their appetite for benefits. And this has degenerated them into perfect savages. So now we have actual media and newsprint calling for riots, calling for destruction, calling for uh, things that are going to bring about real destruction of Maybe not just millions of people, but billions of people. Uh, that, that you've been set up because you've gone the opposite way that you should have gone. And a naked serpent without authority, that's what the serpent in the garden was, without authority, is manipulating the minds of those who are the harlots for hire. The, the politicians, the priests, the... Uh, men in white robes and black robes and uh, they prey upon the hearts and minds of the people. So what you need to do is go to hisholychurch.org or preparingyou.com and uh, sign up for the network which is just an email network based on geography and whatever place you're in you need to start gathering with other people in the name of Christ. And the way in which you know you're gathering in the name of Christ is that you're gathering together to come together to serve in righteousness. That's that's how you know you're gathering in the name of Christ because Christ is one who came to serve. He didn't come to give you everything you wanted. He came to strengthen the poor, to set the captive free. If you... If you want benefits at the expense of your neighbor, you're imprisoning your neighbor. You're, you're, you have to set your neighbor free in order to become free yourself. In order to turn your life around and go the other way, you have to start doing what John the Baptist said when he said repent, think differently, The people in Judea at that time are thinking it was okay to get benefits from the temple, even though the temple was funded by compelled offerings, sacrifices, where they were pacing off your fields and counting the branches on your cummings plants and and, uh, counting the fishes and taxing you on your labor. All that had come about through Herod and the Pharisees. And Jesus said, no, live by faith, hope, and charity. John the Baptist said, no. You know, if you have two coats, share. Do the same in meats. Do the same in housing. Do the same in everything. 
This was the message of John the Baptist. It was not the message of the Pharisees at that time. It's not the message of the modern church. The modern church says, you just come to us, we'll make you feel good, we'll play music, we'll sing songs, we'll tell you that you're saved, we'll make you feel good about yourself, and people love it. I I love going to that church. I just love the music. I love the spirit there. But the spirit there is not the spirit of Christ if it's not telling you to live by faith, hope, and charity. They'll say live by faith, hope, and charity, but they'll send you home for the other six days of the week to live by force, fear, and fealty. And violence against your neighbor, forcing your neighbor to contribute to your welfare in every aspect of your life. Take care of my parents. Take care of my children. Educate my children. Take care of my health. Provide me with a stimulus check. They're doing all this to bring you deeper and deeper into bondage. To sell more and more of your birthright. And you have no birthright that you can get back with the gun. But you have a birthright that you can get back with the Holy Spirit. But you have to come together in the Spirit of Christ, which is the Spirit to serve one another. So don't think you have joined the Living Network if you've joined the email group at hisholychurch.org or uh, preparingyou.com. It's the same groups. It's just links there you'll find that will take you to the groups if you're in Texas or if you're in Missouri or wherever. Sign on and try to help spread this message to others. Help get other people to look this over and to look this information over. And we say it in a hundred different ways in a dozen different uh, places, dozens and dozens of different places. We have hundreds of recordings out. We have videos that are going up. On a pretty regular basis. You don't always get to see me in the videos. But you probably always get to hear me in the videos. But uh, you have to. I'm not telling you not to go to those churches. Where the higher harlots are tickling the people's ears. Go there if you feel led to go there. I can't tell you what to do. What job to take. Where to live. Uh, but I can tell you that you need to be led by the Holy Spirit. And not the unholy spirit of, of the idolaters. You need to not follow the graven image of idolatry. Of of these ideas that uh, have come to you misinterpreting what is very clear in the Bible. And we'll see that when we get to Micah 2 and 3 and 4. There are seven chapters they have divided the, his uh, message up into. And uh, I'll probably revisit this first page and add many Quotes so that you can see the house of narrowing. Isn't the path narrow to the kingdom of God? Broad is the way to destruction. Isn't when you lose access to choices and rights to make choices, isn't that a narrowing of your own house and your own rights? And of course, that is done, as it is said, for thousands of years by those who spread amongst the people gifts, gratuities, and benefits. Uh, another page I just added uh, the other day, some people talk about themselves being ambassadors uh, of Christ. And I've known people like that. And and I've, I've looked at their pattern in their life, and some of that seems real. But uh, if you go to our page on Apostle, uh, you can... You can study what is really an ambassador of Christ and what is not an ambassador of Christ. But join us on the network. I hope to see a lot of you signing up for the network. 
joining groups, tens, hundreds, and thousands, and start actually seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Till then, peace on your house, and may God be with you. God bless. You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net. Thank you.